This is the Elevate Student Ministry Podcast. Hi, I'm Pastor Dominic. Welcome to Elevate, the student ministry of Living Word Church, where we exist to exalt Christ, make disciples, and equip the saints. Thank you for sharing some of your time with us today. May it elevate Jesus and encourage you. Let's get started. Let me begin with a question tonight. How many of you know that there's a difference between knowledge and wisdom? Between knowledge and wisdom. Practically speaking, wisdom is knowledge that's applied. In James, James 1.22, James says it this way. He says, but be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. And so it's the idea that, hey, we have to apply the truth that we learn. And, and that's what I'm going to encourage you to do. Everything we talk about tonight, I want you to really apply to your lives. And so someone said it this way, knowledge without application is useless information. Think about that for a minute. Knowledge without application is useless information. Even as precious as the truth of God's Word is, if we don't apply it to our lives, it really becomes useless to us. And so I want to encourage you to apply the Word of God. I want to talk to you about wisdom. How many of you know that just because you're smart, it doesn't mean that you're wise? The story is told of four passengers in a little Cessna headed out west. It's obvious that there's a problem with the plane, the engine is failing, and they're on their way toward the ground. The pilot comes on the loudspeaker and announces, hey, listen, we've got a problem. And he adds this, he says, we, we have a, a deeper problem in that there are four of us and there are only three parachutes. And so the pilot said, listen, it's my plane, it's my parachutes, I'm going to take one. And everybody agreed, and what he did, he strapped on his parachute and jumped out to safety. That left a brilliant scientist, a rocket scientist, no doubt, he was brilliant, professor, an elderly pastor, and a young college co-ed. And so the brilliant scientist jumps up immediately and he says, listen, he said, I've got one of the greatest minds in the country. I've got to have the remaining uh, parachute. Listen, it would be a tragedy if the world didn't take advantage of all the knowledge that I have. And he insisted that he have a parachute. So What he did was he strapped on and launched out. And the elderly pastor and the young college co-ed were together, and the pastor began to say, listen, you take the remaining parachute. He said, I'm I'm older. I've walked with the Lord all these years. I don't fear death. I know when I die that I'm going to heaven. And so you take the parachute. She stopped in mid-sentence and said, Listen, it's fine. It's okay. You know, that brilliant scientist just put on my backpack and jumped out of the plane. 
And so it's the idea, hey, listen, you don't have to be smart necessarily to be wise. You can be brilliant, but if you don't apply the knowledge you have, then what good is it? Tonight, I want to talk to you about being wise about your faith journey. And if you have your copy of the Word of God, turn, if you would, to Hebrews chapter 12, 1 through 3. Hebrews chapter 12, 1 through 3. I understand you've been studying Hebrews, and you're going to get to this text, I think, after the summer. But I wanted to to share some truth from it even uh, tonight. So Hebrews chapter 12, 1 through 3. While you're turning there, the writers of our New Testament use word pictures. Do you know what a word picture is? What the Holy Spirit does is He leads the folks who wrote the Bible to write in such a way where they write about things we know about, sort of like an object lesson, to teach us deep truth about who we are in Christ and how we ought to live our lives. And so in this text, he talks about our being runners in God's race. But you think about it as you look through the Bible in the New Testament. He talks about us as believers being sheep in God's pasture. He talks about us being soldiers in God's army. He talks about us being stones in God's building. What the Holy Spirit does is he leads these riders to take things that we know about, very common things that we're very familiar with so that he can teach us deep truth about who we are in Christ and how we ought to live our lives. In this text, he talks about the truth that you and I are runners in God's race. Look at the scripture if you would. Therefore, we also, since we're surrounded By so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Look at verse 2. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. Look at verse 3. For consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself, so that you don't become weary or disappointed or discouraged, the Scripture says, in your souls. And so as we look at this passage of Scripture, I want you to see its context. The first thing that I want you to see is when he says, being surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses, the context and the readers at that day would have known immediately, hey, listen, he's talking about the arena. He's talking about the games. And he writes... In verse 1 of chapter 12, therefore we also. And so really what he's talking about is not only the heroes of faith that he mentioned in chapter 11, they're the great cloud of witnesses, but he's also talking about those of us who are fellow believers able to observe one another's behavior. 
And he says, listen, since we're surrounded by this great cloud of witnesses, those who've gone on before and those who are our Christian friends today and who are observing our manner of life, let us run with patience the race that is set before us. Every one of us have a race that we're called to run. And my goal tonight is simply this. I want to help you understand that the Christian life can be compared to a marathon run so that you can persevere and endure as you live for Jesus. Listen, it's not a sprint run. We're going to see later on in the text. This is a marathon run. And listen, it's going to take all of our lives to accomplish the race that God has set before us. So I want to lead us in prayer, and then I want us to look at three aspects of this race. Let's pray together. Father, we ask that you help us to run well. I thank you, Lord, for the ministry of Living Word Church. I thank you, Lord, for the ministry of Elevate. I thank you, Jesus, for Pastor Dom and his leadership and all the leadership team among Elevate and the student ministry. I pray, God, that you continue to give them grace as they not only share the gospel, but they show the gospel with their lives. And I pray for these teens, God, that they would live Christ, not only here at church, but really where it counts, in their schools and in their neighborhoods, in their communities. I pray, Lord, that they'd be a shining light. And I pray, God, that you'd speak to us about running well tonight. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Listen, as we examine this passage of Scripture, I want you to see three aspects of the race God calls every one of us to run. The first one is this. I want you to see the preparation for the race. The preparation for the race. Notice what the Scripture says. Therefore, we also, since we're surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares. When you and I prepare for a race, when, when we think about an athlete preparing for a race, then listen, they took these games very seriously. Think about it. There were the Pythian games in Delhi. They were the Isthmian games of Corinth. And there were the Olympic games, kind of the granddaddy of them all, of Rome, right? And probably the superstar athlete in these games were the men who ran the marathon run. And you had to be a citizen to compete in the games. And that lets us know that he's talking to believers here. He's not talking to lost people. He's talking about people who've come to faith in Jesus Christ. Listen, you and I, according to God's Word, are runners in God's race. In fact, if we're born again, if we're born from above, you and I have been born into a family of runners. These men trained 
continually for these games. This was a big deal. This was like uh, the Super Bowl for these communities and these countries. And these men, think about all the, the training and the discipline and the rigid protocol of diet and sleep. And all these things were necessary to train for the games. In the Christian life, there are things that are necessary for us to do. A single-minded, wholehearted devotion to Jesus. We begin there. But the writer of the Hebrews says, listen, you lay aside every weight. Notice, lay aside everything that encumbers. What's he talking about? Well, in this context, he's talking about to the Hebrew people about laying aside the weight of the old sacrificial system. You've gathered, and I'm sure Pastor Dom and others who've spoken have shared with you kind of the theme of the book of Hebrews. The theme is this, Christ is better. You fill in the blank. He's better than Moses. He's better than angels. He's better than the law. He's a better priesthood. I mean, as you walk through chapters of Hebrews, you see it highlighted that Jesus Christ is better. And so when the writer of the Hebrews, and we don't know who that is, the scripture doesn't tell us, we have some ideas. When the writer of the Hebrews speaks to them, here's what he says, you lay aside every weight. You lay aside specifically the weight of trying to please God by the law and embrace Jesus Christ. And that's the application for us. Listen, we need to embrace the grace of God. It's not Jesus plus something. It's Jesus only. And thank God for His grace. Pastor Dom read Psalm 103 and talked about and highlighted the fact that God doesn't deal with us according to our iniquity and our transgression, but He deals with us on the basis of grace. And I can tell every one of you that you, if you're a child of God, are accepted in the beloved. And when God looks at you, He sees the very righteousness of Jesus Christ, even though we're unrighteous, right? Our righteousness is as filthy rags, but guess what? God's looking through the lens of grace. The second application is this. <clears throat> Lay aside whatever it is that encumbers you and hinders you from running the race that God has set for you. And these things might be good things. But guess what? Rather than going hard for God, rather than being in wholehearted devotion to Him and and really wanting more than anything else to glorify God and serve Him, you become hindered and distracted by these other things. I don't know your life. I know my life. I know that even though I'm a pastor, even though I've walked with God since 1972 for 40-somewhat years, 
Maybe, maybe it made 50 years this year. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. But I know there are things that distract me and keep me from focusing my eye on the prize and serving God with single-minded, wholehearted devotion. How about your life? Maybe it's that good-looking girl. Maybe it's that, that buff guy that you've got your eye on. Maybe, maybe it's sports. Maybe it's uh, your phone. Maybe it's social media. It, it could be anything. But rather than focusing your attention on wholeheartedly going after God, you focused your attention primarily on these things rather than the main thing. And the writer of Hebrews says, listen, lay aside every rate. Think, think about this. Think about if you were running a race <clears throat> and you were, had, had a, a weight vest on. Could you do your best if you had a 20-pound weight vest on trying to run a race? No. When I was a freshman in college, I went to LSU, and we had at the time two world-class sprinters. And one, one guy's name was Larry Ship, and I mean, he, he you know, participated in the Olympics. He was, he was just amazing. And I'll never forget, I was, I was at the stadium as a freshman, and, and this entourage came in. Larry Ship, he was, he was tall, he was lean, he had this afro, his, his hat was put on the side of it, he had sunglasses, he had a, a kind of a, a gym suit on, street clothes, he had his street shoes on, he had his backpack over his back, and he came in and a whole entourage came in with him. And he went down to the place where they would start the race, that it was the 110-meter high hurdles. And he had this protocol that he went through where he would stretch and where he'd get out the blocks and he'd run a little ways and he'd come back and stretch some more. And he had to get limber and get everything just right. But I remember just before the race, he took off his glasses, he took off his hat, he took off his street clothes, and he had a tank top and short shorts, and he had the lightest shoes that he could wear to run with spikes, I'm sure, the track shoe. I think they weighed about four ounces. Now, why did he strip down so? Why did he lay aside the things that might hinder and, and keep him from doing his best. Why'd he do that? He did it because he wanted to win the race. And what he did was he laid aside everything that would hinder or encumber him from doing the very best he could. And that's what the writer of Hebrews is telling us. Listen, if there are things that are keeping you from following Christ with wholehearted devotion and single-mindedness, lay those things aside. Why? Because 
they're not worth it. Keep your eye on the prize, the writer of the Hebrews says, and lay these things aside. He not only says, lay every weight aside, but he also says, lay everything aside that would ensnare. Now he's talking about sin. Look at what the scripture says. Lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares. The old King James says, besetting sin. What's he talking about? He's talking about that sin that you struggle with. For the Hebrews, it was the sin of unbelief. They just would not believe God. And maybe you struggle with unbelief. But really what he's talking about, I think, in our context, in our day, is any sin that becomes a stronghold in your life. That pet sin, somebody called it. That sin that continues to reoccur in your life. He's saying, lay that aside. Sin is insidious, guys, I'm going to tell you. And when you leave sin unchecked, it becomes a stronghold in your life that will lead you to bondage. An Old Testament example is King David, the shepherd king. What does the Bible say about David? God said, this man is a man after my own heart. But guess what? He let sin creep in. And sin cost him. Let me tell you, sin's going to cost you. Here's what it cost David. It cost him his family. It cost him his health. It almost cost him the kingdom. Why? Because he allowed sin to rule rampant for more than a year before he was confronted by the prophet Nathan. And you know the story. He, he wrote Psalm 51, and he's just a broken man saying, Oh God, please forgive me. I, I love the verse 10 where it says, Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Sin's going to cost you. And so the writer of Hebrews is saying, listen, don't allow strongholds in your life. Deal with sin. Sin separates. It dims the eye so we can't see spiritual things clearly. It deafens the ear so we can no longer discern God's voice. And it dulls the taste so we no longer hunger and thirst after God. So what the writer of Hebrews says, listen, if we're going to prepare to run well, we've got to lay aside those things that encumber and hinder our walk with God, and we've got to lay aside the sin that ensnares. How about you? Is there something the Holy Spirit's putting His finger on right now that's keeping you from serving Christ with single-minded 
wholehearted devotion? Are you so preoccupied and obsessed with these things that really don't matter? And they're keeping you from a love that you once had for the Lord. Listen, return to that first love. Return to that first love. Deal with sin because sin separates you from God. Not only is there the preparation for the race, but he talks about the perseverance in the race. And there are a couple of things that I want you to see here. Notice what he says, lay aside every weight in the sin which so easily ensnares and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. A couple of things I want you to see about this race. The first thing is the nature of the race. This race is not a sprint run. It's a grueling marathon. How do you know? The word race or translated race comes from the word agon. It's the agon, the marathon run. It's where we get our English word agony. To do the kind of training that you need to do to run a marathon, listen, it's agony. It's agony. And so what he's saying is this race is going to take all of your life. It's, it's not a sprint run. It's not a flash in the pan. And that's why he encourages these believers to endure and persevere. Because this race is going to take their whole lives. The nature of the race, not a sprint run, but it's going to go on and on and on. Listen, there are going to be seasons There are going to be good times and bad. There are going to be times of affluence and times of lack and need. There are going to be times when you're joyful, and there are going to be times when you experience adversity. But listen, he's admonishing these believers, persevere, endure, run well, run the race. The nature of the race. But then the second thing is the uniqueness of the race. The race that is set before us. Dom doesn't have to run the race that I have to run. Shane doesn't have to run the race that Elijah has to run. Every one of us have a race that is set before us. It's uniquely fashioned with you in mind. God's got a specific work for every one of us to do. I'm thankful that you don't have to run my race. And I'm very thankful that I don't have to run your race. I've got 14 grandchildren and and I'm just um, pray for them often. In fact, I remember my family in prayer this morning. We have a prayer time here at the church where we are in this auditorium from 8.30 to 9.30, praying for the needs of the church, praying for our families, praying, prayed for the guys on staff and the elders of our church. I'm fearful in a sense. I know God's in control, but, 
but I'm concerned about the world that you guys have to live in. I'm really concerned about the world that my grandchildren are having to live in, especially the younger ones. Because I know the truth of Scripture, what's tolerated in one generation is accepted in the next and then promoted in the next. And so they're going to experience you know, things that I never dreamed that I would experience. But listen, every race is unique. And listen, guys, we don't have to compete with one another. We can cooperate with one another. We can encourage one another. We can help one another. We can pray for one another. We can stir up one another, to, as Hebrews 10 says, to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as we see the day drawing near. That's what we need to do as a family of runners. We need to encourage one another. The last thing I want you to see is the priority during the race. Look at verse 2 and 3. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him who experienced such hostility from sinners against himself so that you don't be weary or faint in your hearts or discouraged in your souls. Two things he says to do. Look unto Jesus, and then he says, consider Jesus. Now look at verse 2. Look unto Jesus. How many of you know that when you're running, you need to keep something ahead of you so that you can have your bearing? If you look behind you, you might fall or might trip over yourself. Wouldn't that be tragic or run into somebody else and take you both out of the race? But what he's saying is, listen, we can glance at the crowd, but we need to fix our gaze upon Jesus. Why is it so important? Let me give you a couple of reasons. He is the one, as we depend upon him, who will provide every resource we need as we run this race. He'll help us and give the strength to run well. But the second reason is Jesus ran this race before us, and he came out the victor. And we run for the finisher getting all the strength we need from Him as we depend upon Him and rely upon Him, but then also knowing in the back of our minds that He won the race and we can run for the finisher. Notice what it says, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Some of your translations say the author and perfecter of our faith who for the joy that was set before him 
endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. There had been some debate about what was the joy that was set before him. There are two schools of thought. One, he was looking ahead because of his great love for you and I at all those who would be saved because of his sacrificial work at the cross. I love that. Another school of thought is the joy that was set before him was the joy he experienced by accomplishing the work that the Father sent him to do. I really like that one too. I think it could be a combination of both of those things. But to bring glory to God, that's, that's what brought him joy. And through the process, many people would come to faith in him and be saved. And so as Jesus runs his specific race, guess what? He wants to glorify God, and he has every one of us in mind. Isn't that good? I love the old gospel song that says, when he was on the cross, I was on his mind. Verse 3, he says not only look unto Jesus, but he says consider Jesus. Why, why would he make those, that distinction there? <clears throat> I've got a sneaking suspicion that verse 3 is for those of us who go occasionally through adversity and hard times. Anytime we think that we've got it bad and we can't go on, we're to consider Jesus and what He endured at the hands of sinners. And listen, that kind of lightens our load, right? Even though it's tough, even though it's hard, even though it's difficult, when we compare what we're going through to what He went through, think about this. Jesus, all of heaven, revolved around him. Read Revelation 4 and 5. He walks down heaven's stairway, becomes a man, takes on human flesh. Philippians 2 tells us he became the lowest of the low. He became a slave because of His great love for the Father and His great love for us. He became, the Scripture says, obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. He was a servant. He washed the disciples' feet. He condescended. In other words, He stooped down low to become one of us. Not only to show us how to live, but to die because of His great love for us. Anytime you think you got it bad, God the Son became a man and suffered abuse because of, of obedience to the Father and because of the great love He had for us. So anytime we think we got it bad, 
We can't go on. The writer of the Hebrews says, listen, consider Jesus. Consider Jesus. And I want to tell you, I've been walking with God for a while. And these principles that I shared with you tonight, they work. Because I've applied them to my life. I want to challenge you, apply them to your life. Let's pray together. Father, we're thankful for your word. Lord, I thank you for these students. God, I want them to run well. Father, help them to prepare by laying aside anything that encumbers, slows them down, distracts their attention from a wholehearted devotion to you, God. And help them to deal with sin. Keep their sinless short through repentance and confession. Lord, I pray that, that none of them are in bondage right now, but if they are, you can set them free. Lord, help us to persevere as we fix our gaze upon you and consider all that you endured to make possible this great salvation that we have. Thank you, Lord, that we can depend upon you. Thank you, Lord, that you accept us in the beloved. Thank you, Lord, we're we're grateful for all that you've done and all that you will do as we depend upon you. And we ask it in Christ's name and for his sake. Amen. Thanks for listening, and a special thanks to all of you who have subscribed, shared episodes, and left reviews. If you would like to learn more about Elevate, you can visit us at iloveelevate.com and follow us on Facebook and Instagram. Thank you for everything you do that brings faith, hope, and love to the world around you. Now go, follow Jesus. Thank you.